What is up, everybody? Happy post-Thanksgiving. Hope you're settling in from your turkey coma, your oyster coma, your corn coma, whatever it is you indulge in on Thanksgiving. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. It's the daily CBS Sports NFL show. Uh, my, I don't want to say my bosses are so cruel that they would force me to do a show. I'm Will Brinson, by the way. I'm the host of this daily podcast. I don't want to say my bosses are so cruel that they would force me to stay up till midnight um, doing a Thanksgiving show, but my bosses are that indeed that cruel. It's okay. We like football. We like to talk football. And because, uh, well, RJ, RJ White is joining us. RJ, of course, on the Picks show every Friday with Pete Prisco. RJ happens to be editing, um, this evening on these Thanksgiving late games, and I suckered him into it with a bribe of, uh, I promised him one free winner from, from week 12's weekend games. And, uh, Sean Wagner joining us for a late week edition of the Pick 6 podcast. Sean is only here because he happened to be the latest, the, the youngest person living in the latest time zone, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, what do I get from this if RJ's getting something? I, I got offered nothing. RJ's not going to use my winner. He knows he's a loser, right, RJ? He'll <laughs> just use that to cross off one game off his list. Right. He's like, all right, here's a game I know I won't use for my super contest. Uh, exactly. Okay, so let's let's dive in here first. And the, the so the three games on Thanksgiving. That's what we're going to cover now. We're, you'll have a preview coming in a separate file that features me and RJ and Pete. We pick all the other games against the spread. Um, you can download that one for your holiday travels. Man, if you're driving like I am, four hours on Friday morning, who can't wait for that? I hope we can fill it uh, with me and the three of us, or the three of us talking. Um, first of all, to me, the big story, and Sean, you did the takeaways and the live blog for this, but the Cowboys beating the Redskins actually beat them pretty handily. I thought the Redskins should have covered. That's neither here nor there. But the Cowboys now have control of the division, and do they look like a division winner slash team that should host a playoff game to you? Compared to the other division winners, no, but they look like far and away the best team in the division, so that makes them worthy. Um, look, I, I don't know if they're a good team, but after this game, I'm not sure if they're a bad team, which is kind of what we were making them out to be for the first couple months of the season. I think what we saw today in the second half, which was Amari Cooper actually play like a legitimate wide receiver won, and you know when the Raiders made the trade to Dallas, it seemed like we were mocking more of the Cowboys side than the, than the Oakland side just because they gave up a first round pick. I'm still not sure. I'm still not convinced that first round pick is going to be worth it. But if he plays close to anything like this, obviously he's not going to have 180 yards, two touchdowns every game. But I think just by having him on the field, the fact that they're able to use 11 personnel so much more often, um, they're allowed, they're giving Zeke so much more space by using three wide receivers. They're not having to use two tight ends. I think it just creates so many more options for their offense. I was really impressed with the second half today. I was impressed by their defense. Obviously, they're going against Colt McCoy, uh, not a very good NFL caliber quarterback. Um, all things considered, though, I think Dallas proved they're the best team in the division. And at the same time, I don't think it's just because the division is bad. I think they actually are improving and are kind of peaking at the right time. Yeah, we didn't like that trade because we thought that first round pick was going to be what, 10, 12? It turns out it's going to be in the 20s. Now, I know they're going to have to pay him after the season, but if you give me a talent like Amari Cooper for a pick in the 20s, I'm all for that. Yeah, I, I think so too. And Amari Cooper, I mean, not exactly, you know, like old. I mean, this is a, I mean, he's a young receiver and he only has one more year left on his rookie contract. Look, I'm guilty as charged of thinking that the Cowboys made a mistake. Uh, this is Roy Williams 2.0, um, Keyshawn Johnson, you know, who, you know, whoever else they've traded for, just old guys, Joey Galloway. Did they, did they even trade for Keyshawn Johnson? They didn't, did they? Did they? They did, right? 
Am I crazy? <laughs> I'm, I'm the youngest one here. The one that would not. Like, he doesn't know who that name is. Sounds like, who's Keyshawn Johnson? Is that the, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, anyway, they did it for Joey Galloway. They did it for Roy Williams. They've, they've, they call up for receivers all the time. Uh, they decided to do it again here, but Amari Cooper has made a difference. I mean, he's opening up that offense and there were spots like, if you go and look at that second touchdown, which is a long touchdown, was not a long throw by Dak Prescott, but I mean, he absolutely destroyed a, a, a freaking DB's life with the route he ran. He broke him down. He cut inside. He's wide open. It's an easy throw. And then when you look at the Cowboys' stats, I mean, it tells the story. Zeke Elliott, 26 carries, 121 yards. Elliott had another 22 yards receiving. He found the end zone once. Dak rushed in for a touchdown that, oh, my God. I mean, the, the Redskins should have stopped him there. That's But, you know, the, then Amari Cooper caught nine, eight of his nine targets for 180 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he just had a great game, and he makes a difference for this offense. He has a, he has huge games on Thursdays, huge games on Thanksgiving. And, I mean, look, as much as I – Back the Redskins all season long, and I, I liked them to win the division. I thought they would. I thought they might even cover and win this game. Um, you know, it was never. You know, it was close for most of the game. But the Cowboys took off in the fourth quarter, uh, or took off, I guess, in the third quarter. Scored two two touchdowns late in the third quarter. One in the fourth. Uh, you know, the, the, the Redskins managed to tack on ten points, but it wasn't that close. It didn't feel like thirty-one twenty-three for much of the game, RJ. Yeah, you'd have been lucky to get that cover if they would have got it at the end somehow because, yeah, Cowboys won this game by more than seven. They deserve to cover the whole way, it looked like. I know it was a little low scoring in the in the first half, but they outplayed them, like you said. And Washington, I mean, we, if you're putting your backup in there, Colt McCoy is your quarterback, you don't want to give Adrian Peterson just 12 carries. I don't know what they were doing early on, but it really seemed the game plan was, so let's put the game in Colt McCoy's hands. And I know we have some confidence in Colt McCoy because he's been a backup in this league for a while. He's been in that system, but you've got to put, take the pressure off him and give it to Adrian Peterson more. 12 carries for 35 yards in a game that was close in the first half is just a joke. That's By a good, the way, that's a good point. Go sorry, ahead, Zeke, Zeke with Amari Cooper has 643 yards of offense in four games. And I, so I think that has just really opened it up. And he looks like that guy, if you drafted him in fantasy, you're kind of getting what you expected now. I think Dak's passer rating has got to be up close to seven or eight points. I think it was up six points before this game, and he had a really good stat line today. So I think even when Amari's not catching the ball, just by him being there, it forces Linehan and Garrett to just be more modern in the personnel groupings that they use because they actually have an extra receiver to use. And so I think that that's what's making all the difference. You know what's infuriating is that, I mean, it's I don't know how many, how many days it's been since the Cowboys have won these three games. Jason Garrett won't stop smirking. And I mean, he hugs just, someone on the sideline. He did. He's just hugging. He's smirking. He quit clapping. He's like, I know you guys have been talking about me. <laughs> I'm winning football games again. Old Jason's back. <laughs> He's going to be coaching that team forever. Like they are never getting rid of him at this point. It'll it'll just be seven and nine to eight and eight on their bad years, and then they'll come out with an eleven and five, twelve and four, and he's going to be the Cowboys coach until twenty fifty five. I mean, if they win the division, he's one hundred percent getting an extension, right? Of course. Yeah, I mean, like, there, like, there's not even a question about it. I do think, and God, I mean, like, I, I know, I know you guys saw it. I mean, I, I caught me just, I'm sitting there with my family and I'm, you know, I'm rooting for the Redskins to keep it close and the Cowboys, uh, I, I can't remember, did he do it after a, uh, no, this is after, uh, the Demarcus Lawrence interception. They cut to Jerry Jones and Jerry, like, holds up his arms 
and looks at like, the are you not entertained pose. Yeah, he looks, he knows the camera's on him and he does like an are you not entertained with a Texas shimmy and he's just doing that. It's like, you I know, mean, you know what it was. It was the Game of Thrones Night King after a hard home holding up his arms and raising their exactly. arms. Exactly. That's a great call. That's it was, nailed it, it was like, a, he's just, and he's just doing the shimmy in the box and he's like catching a high five from his little cousin who's in town, like, like little nephew Stevie, Stevie Jones is there. He's like, hey, J- hey, daddy, daddy, Jerry, can we get some, uh, some cash for the vending machine. He's like, ah, just take this scotch, son. I mean, it's, 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 it drives me nuts because they did, like, you know they don't know what they're doing, but then they do do these random smart things like the Amari Cooper trade, which is helping the team, and the drafting of Leighton Vanderesh. This guy is a freaking superstar out of Boise State. Yeah, I know y'all like them coming out as line, you know, there was a pretty good linebacker class with Roquan and with, with Layton and, and all those guys. And, and he really has lived up to potential. I kind of killed them because this offense needed a, a top receiver and they passed on it for a linebacker. And I know that he's played well, but I still think he needed a wide receiver. Well, they went out and spent a first rounder to get that wide receiver. So congratulations to them. They got both things that they, they got both things that they needed with the receiver being the particular thing that they needed the most. But, um, yeah, Layton, Vader has played in his butt off. Um, that's going to be a good pick for a long time coming. You know they needed a linebacker like that because Sean Lee can't stay healthy, so good pick by them. Yeah, I think if you flip it, what if they had taken Calvin Ridley? They wouldn't have been able to trade for a star linebacker with the first-round pick because there's just not a star linebacker available with a first-round pick. So really, they maximized their options by taking Leighton Vanderish. And obviously, this is all hindsight. They had no idea of knowing at the time that they were going to be able to get Amari Cooper for the price they got him. Um, but in hindsight, now it suddenly looks like a, like a great draft pick because they got the linebacker and they got the wide receiver. If they had done the reverse, they would have been, out, been without Sean Lee for this stretch, and they wouldn't have had a guy like Vanderish to fill in. There's a quote that I'm looking for from Jerry Jones that is like, he's like, he's like, um, I don't know. First of all, he was asked about, uh, Dak and so Zeke picked up Dak for Zeke threw money in the Salvation Army red kettle, I believe, right? He had money in his pocket and, um, and, and $21. Like, it wasn't in his pocket actually. I think he got it from a, from a staff gave it to him. person okay, yeah, okay. on the field. So, so you got, so it's not, is that using a prop? Do you get, do you get flagged for that? Oh, he'll get he'll get fined for sure. But he didn't get flagged for that one, did he? Because that would no. Yeah, that's not that's not technically using a prop. But then later he picked up um, Dak and dropped Dak in there. And uh, Jerry Jones said this about the uh, celebrations: "Any fine coming, I'd gladly add on to my credit. You know they've knocked that fire out of my butt already this year with these fines. I'm about to run short." Then this is the other quote. That was not a great Jerry Jones, so I apologize for that. Um, yeah, is he on the podcast? Was that him? Yeah. Th- th- I couldn't tell. It sounded like Jerry Jones. <laughs> I'm going to do a better Jerry Jones for this one. Jerry, <laughs> this is Ed Warder tweeting. Jerry Jones asked a franchise tag to Marcus Lawrence, has him digging into his checkbook, laughing, said, hey, we got several of those out there. It looked like Amari's trying to get a little cash, too. I mean, like this guy, he's just, he is so desperate to make it rain. And Jason Lockerford has pointed out of this podcast that, 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 Jerry Jones doesn't spend that much money. Like the Cowboys are secretly super low in terms of their cash flow spent per year. Shout out. Who's got the dog? We love dogs. That's, my, that's, that's one of my dogs. I'm sorry. She's been going off like crazy. Is it your dog or your parents' dog? It's my parents' dog. What's your parents' dog's name? Juno. Juno. I did name her. She's a white German shepherd. Ah, interesting. I would have pegged you as a white German shepherd, although that is sort of Game of Thronesy. I've got two black labs that are currently, um, uh, passed out of my parents' room, but they well, I've got a yellow lab here also, but she's nice passed nice. out. Law and Cash are my dog's name. Very, very much. Uh, that's fitting with. I didn't show RJ, but like I'm recording. I'm recording this podcast in a room. There are three giant deer heads, approximately like two feet from my face right now. That sounds like a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, this is like the desk out of my parents' sun porch. Like, it's just deer, like, dead deer all over the place. Um, there's a huge, like, huge, like, gun rack over here. So it's all kinds of fun. Anyway, um, it's locked. Don't worry. Uh, anyway, so, uh, what was that? What was that? Oh yeah. Jerry Jones is desperately trying to make it rain. Like, he's going to pay Jason Garrett. He's going to pay Demarcus Lawrence. He's going to pay Dak Prescott. He's going to pay Amari Cooper. He hasn't spent a ton of money. He's got tons of cash to spend. If this team wins the division, he's going to pay everybody and they're going to be exactly the same for several years. Although I'm not entirely sure that, like, they can't compete in a division where everyone else stinks. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they're, I don't know. Yeah, it yeah, seems to me like a team that that's I think even the most optimistic Cowboys fans are like this is good, not great. This isn't a team that's gonna compete with the Saints, compete with the Rams in the NFC. And so if Jerry Jones is paying all these players in the offseason that need to be paid, where's the money gonna come from to pay the guys that you need to supplement them? The mid level guys, not the superstars, but your your Mohammed Sanu as your number two receiver, your solid tight end, you know, maybe a good blocking tight end and a good receiving tight end. They have the offensive line there. They're gonna need a little more talent on the de- on defense. You know, it's not gonna work with just Lawrence and um, Van Der Esch and then some solid players in the secondary. So where is the other talent going to come from if he pays these guys? So it, it's optimistic. You know, I don't want to rain on the parade a little bit because they had a great win here. They look like they're rolling to the division to win. But once they pay these superstars, I don't know if the money's there to pay the mid-level guys that you really need to elevate your game and bring it to a championship level. Sean, would you yeah. take, if I gave you the choice of Cowboys or the field, uh, Cowboys are minus 140, field is plus 250. Who are you taking to win the NFC East? Cowboys. Wow, RJ. I just. What was the odds on the field? Plus two fifty. Well, I'm taking that because those are stupid odds. Okay, well, I just made them up on the fly, so don't. <laughs> if you take a minus one forty on the Cowboys, you probably want plus one twenty on the field, and I'm probably taking the Cowboys at minus one forty. Uh, okay, my, thank you. All right, Sean, you're allowed to pick differently <laughs> based on based on RJ's good odds versus my stupid odds. Look, I, not to rain on the the Cowboys parade. I think they're going to win the division, yeah. but. They can't celebrate for too long. They have a really hard three-game stretch coming up. Um, look, they're going to lose to the Saints next week. I think we all know that. Um, and then they turn around, they get the Eagles and the Colts. And so that could be a tricky stretch. I know the Eagles haven't looked good, but I would peg the Eagles as the second most likely team to win the division, even though they're behind both the Redskins and the Cowboys. Um, they do finish out against the Buccaneers and Giants, though. Um, so really, if they, as long as they don't go 0-3, over the, these next three games, I think they're fine. Hmm. So you just have to win one or two games against the Eagles or the Colts, I think, and they're fine. They could. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to crap on the Cowboys either because they, again, there was a great win for them. And I, I, I've been, I've been, I deserve every bit of bashing I got for bashing the Cowboys earlier. I definitely said before the season the Cowboys go like three and 13. That's not happening because they're six and five. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were six and eight all of a sudden. Would you, RJ? No, that that Eagles game is going to be critical because Eagles, if they can get their stuff together here against the Giants, then they know they go into that game playing for the division. Because if you beat the Cowboys there, you've tied them in the standings, assuming that the Cowboys lose to the Saints. And then you've eliminated the tie, you know, the tiebreakers don't come into play anymore. So then you just got to outplay them the rest of the way. Um, so I, I think the, the Eagles love this result. The Washington's not running away with it now. And they know that all we have to do is beat the Cowboys and we're back in this. And the Eagles have two games against Washington themselves. So, hey, we get this backup quarterback, you know, two game, two of our last five games are going to be against this guy. We should be able to take care of business there so the eagles gotta like their chances i mean they're not they don't look great right now they're gonna have to figure out something to do with that secondary but they're certainly not out of this if they can beat the cowboys are the giants dead 
Uh, I would say so. It'd take a lot for them to come back. Uh, they just don't look like that good of a team. But I don't know. You know, they put together two straight wins. It wasn't against great competition. So let's see them do it against the Eagles. Um, you know, six-point dogs in that game. If they come out, get the outright win there, then we can start talking about them. All right. Spoiler, by the way, when we pick the Giants game in our picks podcast, because we already recorded it on the day before Thanksgiving, uh, the Giants are dead. Like they didn't play anybody. They didn't beat anybody. Get out of here. Prisco tries to argue that they're not dead. You can check that out uh, by subscribing on iTunes. You can rate and review this podcast. That's always appreciated. Sean mentioned the Saints. The Cowboys and the Saints are playing next Thursday on Thursday Night Football. They uh, both played this Thursday, of course, and the Saints walked away from another home game, covering again, even though they were favored by 13 friggin' points. Over the Atlanta Falcons, uh, at home, the Saints moved to 10 and 1, dropped the Falcons to 4 and 7. The Saints are now 8 and 0 in their last 8 games against the spread. They've won their last 9 games. Uh, and I think more importantly, RJ, than anything else, and I, I know I led with Drew Brees as the, the lead in my takeaways from this post, but I, the more I think about it, the important thing, cause Drew Brees has always been good. The important thing is that the defense is good again. And this defense is good. Like it's shutting people down. Cameron Jordan and Sheldon Rankins are wrecking havoc on people up front. They're putting major pressure on guys. Uh, they lost Marcus Davenport, but he, he clearly was, looked like he was making an impact. Um, you know, they have enough, like Marshawn Lattimore's making plays again in the secondary. I think this is, you know, if I was ranking contenders and I, you know, in the NFC, um, I think if you're looking for like, and you had to rank based on offense and defense, you would wipe off the Rams because they're too banged up right now. The Bears have it, but the Saints have it in spades compared to the Bears. Uh, like I would much rather have the Saints offense and Saints defense versus the Bears offense and Bears defense, right? Right, yeah, Saints are obviously in the lead to, to win this whole thing. I think everybody agrees with that at this point. Um, but, you know, winning games in November isn't the same as winning them in January. So we'll see how home field shakes out. We'll see how the matchups shake out. Um, if they're still all healthy, you know, it all it takes is one key injury to kind of go down in flames. But the Saints have it all, man. You talked about Rankins and Jordan doing well on the defensive line, even even the second level. You know, like Alex, Alex Anzalone's getting good fumbles and play, making good plays and knocking balls out, get, getting his hands on balls. Um, Lattimore's playing well, and it's just yeah, top to bottom, that defense is playing well. I don't know what how you attack them if you're an offense. You go up against this defense. I don't know what you do because coming into this this stretch, they were the number one rush defense per DVOA. Um, they haven't they haven't lived up to that. You know lofty standard at this point, but they held the the Falcons running backs to 12 carries, 12 yards. I mean, come on, that, that rush defense is still playing well. Now the pass defense is e- equaling that performance, and they look like they're going to be tough to beat for anyone. Uh, I, I don't see a team like ripping off 15 straight wins to end the regular season, then winning the Super Bowl, but I don't know how you beat this team at this point. I mean, Sean, they gave up three drives in which the Falcons went 58-plus yards, and then they fumbled at the end. And when you watch the fumbles – it's not like the Falcons made mistakes. They, like, the Saints genuinely turned them over. Um, I, I mean, like, I don't know how much of the red zone woes you want to attribute to Steve Sarkeesian. I personally think it was more like an execution thing than a Sark play calling stuff, but they certainly were bad in the red zone. Uh, do you think that the Falcons choice by me is the worst Super Bowl pick, uh, of any, <laughs> of any analyst in, in, that covers the NFL from a national perspective this year? This year, Probably, but you did pick the Cardinals, I think, last year. I'm just so you're in competition with yourself here. Uh, I mean, I I actually took the I took the Falcons in this game to cover the 13 point spread, and at no point in the game after the 
third quarter did I feel confident that they had a chance to do it. I know they got to within 14 points. That being said, you look back on it, and you have all those fumbles deep in Saints territory. I feel like I don't feel like I made a horrible decision to to, to make that bet um, because I mean you had that fumble on the goal line by uh, why am I blanking on his name? Calvin Ridley. Um, I was I was watching the game. My mom's behind me doing dishes, and she yells, "Oh no!" as it happens, and I'm just laughing because I just it's the peak Falcons play where everyone assumes he's walking into the end zone and then he fumbles. And I just can't stop laughing. My mom is scolding me for laughing at his misery. Uh, but it really was the perfect play to sum up. Not even this season's Falcons, but really you can go back to the entire Dan Quinn tenure um, of them looking like this team that we believe in and something just going wrong at the last possible moment. Yeah, that play was quintessential 28-3 going into the end zone. And what just happened? It's brutal, man. And if you had the over in this game, I am sorry because I did. And uh, look, I mean, they didn't come close to covering. They only scored forty-eight points. But gosh, I mean, the I mean, the Falcons. I mean, look, look the Falcons had a uh, you know a ball that that they fumbled on the on the the New Orleans three. They fumbled on the uh, the New Orleans. Uh, let's see, they fumbled on anyway. They they had they had three different plays. I looked it up. They had. The New Orleans 13 and the New Orleans 1 where Calvin Ridley fumbled. I mean, they should have scored. And the 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah the 3 on the first one. I mean, that, that should have been an indication immediately when Matt Ryan fumbled that ball that the Falcons were not covering, that the Falcons were not going to be involved in this game, and that the Falcons are just sloppy. Do you think, RJ, there's any chance that, that the Falcons blow things up? I know that, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, Arthur Blank is a patient owner, but man, I mean, when you look at this Falcons team, and you're like, like they're like. Remember when Jim Irsay had to host that 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 uh, Indianapolis Super Bowl and the Colts were so terrible. When you're this bad and your team's hosting the Super Bowl, it reflects poorly on everybody involved. I wouldn't be surprised if he made some kind of move. Yeah, you look at a team like the Cowboys who are building something. You know, they hadn't been good for a while. Uh, they look like they're starting to put something together. So there's optimism for the future. The Falcons are on the bottom side after peaking. You know, they went to the Super Bowl. They look like they were supposed to win that game. They had a huge comeback. Now they're going in the opposite direction. So if you're Arthur Blank, I don't know that exercising patience is going to make that much of a difference. I do think that there's some strategy to blowing it up, getting some new eyes in there, getting a new system in there, seeing seeing if – you know, it's a, 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 getting an offensive guy like these Matt Nagy types and these these guys, Frank Reich, these guys that are offensive minded that are really taking it to the next level offensively and see what you can do with Matt Ryan and that offense and Julio Jones. I, you know, they flashed a graphic at one point um, about Julio Jones in the red zone. He got six targets through 11 games and everyone else on the team has like had like 28. It's like, what are you doing? You have Julio Jones. Throw it to your best player every once in a while. How is how is this hard? Any one of us coordinating that offense is going to throw it to Julio Jones more than six times in 11 games. If I was running a Madden offense with the Falcons, I would throw to Julio Jones 12 times in the first quarter of whatever game I was playing. Like in the red zone. Exactly. He's your first read every single time. Yeah, it makes no sense. And like there was, there was one play where they, like they lined up and they actually scored on the play, but Matt Ryan had to, there was some improvisation, but they ran the, the trips, um, like the, the trip stack on the left side and Julio was isolated on the right. And the, they showed the NBC camera showed it afterwards with Julio. They're like, you see Julio's double covered. It's like, well, he's not really double covered. There's like two guys on that side of the field. Have Julio do a like just do a, a basketball play where you just lob it up and let Julio out or, jump somebody. 
Or put Julio in the stack and get him up on coverage with with a smaller DB. Like, he's Julio Jones. Like, do something to get the ball in his hands. Yeah, exactly. You could put him in that stack. They can't double-team him because if they do, then two guys are running free out of there, and there's total chaos, and you can get to Julio Jones. Uh, speaking of receivers, by the way, I'll give you, Sean, right now, I will PayPal you. I'm scared you're going to do this, but you can't look. You can't cheat. I'm going to PayPal you five bucks. Put your hands up. Five bucks if you can name... The four oh, receivers. Who I can't caught, do it. Who caught touchdowns for Drew Brees? I, I can't do it. I don't know if I can name one. I just wrote a story and listed them, and I don't think I can write them all. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Two guys sound like they're uh, actors from the 90s. That's, that's not going to help me. I was like five-year-old. Five years old in the 90s. Uh, RJ, can you name, you just edited my story with the four names. Can you name all four of them? Uh, first one was to Tommy Lee Lewis. Tommy Lee Lewis. Second one was to Austin Carr. Yep. Third one was to Dan Arnold. Fourth one was to something named Keith Kirkwood. <laughs> Very nice. Wow. Five dollars. No, 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 no. RJ just read the story. Right? Uh, he knows, he knew I knew it. He didn't want to give me five bucks. Sean, you were, Sean, you were eating dinner with your family. You're not expecting to know that. I look, dude, I'm not going to lie. I looked up Tommy Lee Lewis. And I looked up Keith Kirkwood because I wanted to make sure I spelled their name right because it seemed like something you wouldn't spell right. Drew Brees has now tied Matt Ryan's record for touchdown pa- most touchdown passes to different guys in a single season. Matt Ryan said it in 2016 when he was the MVP and they went to that Super Bowl. There's, it's week 12. Drew Brees hadn't thrown a pass to Taysom Hill. He's definitely going to do that. He hadn't thrown a pass to Brandon Marshall. He's definitely going to do that. And if for some reason he can't get those guys, Sean Payton's going to go out there to Saints uniform. He's going to throw one to Sean Payton because they're going to break that record. This is, to me, a massive push by the Saints. It is an obvious push by the Saints and Sean Payton and Drew Brees to get Drew Brees that MVP that he is I think coveted and, and believes that he deserves and to get that second Super Bowl. And if they do that again, as I said before this week, um, he's get, or maybe I said it on radio, but I think I said it on the podcast. He's going to be involved in a, is Drew Brees better than Peyton Manning discussion? Is he? He might be. RJ, is he? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> give it to him. Really? You oh, say, wow. You say Drew Brees? Yeah, yeah, look at his, I mean, look. And part of it is the offense they run and everything, but he, Drew Brees is every bit as smart as Peyton Manning. I mean, you, you know, Peyton Manning's biggest asset has been his head. You know, people say he's got the best brain. If you're building your quintessential quarterback, you want his brain because he's so smart at line. Drew Brees out here throwing 75% completion percentage, you know, blowing up his own record in completion percentage. He knows where to go every time. He makes all the smart plays. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't throw it, you know, just the, those stupid passes that you see some play, some quarterbacks do where their guys run the wrong route and the DB gets an easy pick. That just doesn't happen to Drew Brees. He had a pick today for his second of the season. and It's Thanksgiving and he throws his second pick of the season. And I was like, how did that happen? You know, who screwed that up? Because Drew Brees just doesn't do that. So, I, I, yeah, I would give it to him at this point. I mean, he's 39 years old. He's he he's going to win the MVP at 39 years old. He's Tom Brady without the Super Bowls. He's Peyton Manning without the, the, you know the, all the MVP awards that Peyton got. And I don't know. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever. I don't think right now for me he is. But if he wants to keep playing, because I feel like he can do what Brady's doing, and I don't know if he will want to. I mean, who knows? But if he does want to keep playing and keeps going into his 40s and keeps playing close to this level, then yes, I think he will overtake Manning because I think longevity does matter. And I'm not saying Breeze at his peak was better than Manning at his peak, but longevity does matter if you can keep producing at this when Manning wasn't really his fault with um, with the injuries there at the end. Um, but if he can do what 
what Manning wasn't able to do at the end of his career, absolutely, I think he deserves to move past him. I honestly think that Breeze might be as good as Manning was at his peak. We just didn't give him credit for, and for a couple of reasons. One, and it's, they're all stupid reasons. Maybe one, he had Sean Payton, and, and Breeze got a lot of credit for that, even though, you know, he's never, I mean, like, who's the best receiver? Like, like Drew Brees, Peyton Manning definitely had at least two Hall of Famers he threw to, and Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. Tom Brady's had multiple Hall of Famers in terms of Wes Welker fringe guy. Wes Welker's a fringe. He's not a Hall of Famer, right? Oh, so Wes Welker. Too short. Okay. Come on. Okay, okay, but Wes Welker and Julie Dadman, we agree, are have better careers than anyone that, that Drew Brees has thrown to. And then he's got Gronk and Randy Moss. I mean, like, there's got Michael Thomas might be the best guy Brees ever threw to. And if not, it's Marquise Colson or Jimmy Graham. So, I mean, like, he hadn't ever thrown to anybody. He's out here throwing to UDFAs, four touchdowns. You're not a, you're not a Robert Meacham fan? I, I was actually was a Robert Meacham fan fantasy for too many, too many years. It's probably why I haven't won a title in a while. Um, still, oh, by the way, RJ, I, I didn't mention this to Pixpod. You know that I, so there's a zero bid situation in our auction league. Do you know what's going on here? Mm. Yeah, I, I can't pick up a second. I'm 11 and 0, undefeated. I'm playing you. You're 5 and 6. You're, you're tied for the last spot in the playoffs. I can't, I'm out of fab, so I can't pick up a, a second quarterback to start. So you're going to beat me and get in the playoffs because of the stupid zero bid rule that is, that is enacted at Dave Richard Tribe. Uh, so, isn't he going to so You're the one, even? you're the one that put that up. Okay. I, when they started making that a thing, I was like, let's see who, who did this. And of course, everybody votes against it. And the only one that's trying to defend it is Brinson. And I'm like, okay, Brinson, you know, spent all his money too early while everyone else being a little more conservative and now he wants to change the rules. So, no, no, it's not going to happen. Just because, so, not only that, but, so RJ is going to get in in last place. Doesn't that mean you guys are going to play again in the playoffs and RJ can beat you again, potentially? Potentially. I think I get a buy, but if he wins, we would play. Uh, Okay. Yes, and then RJ will definitely beat me in that situation. I'll be, he'll beat me this week and he'll get rid of my undefeated things. I don't have to worry about it. Um, At any rate, uh, yeah, look, I think that Drew Brees... If you're, okay, just hypothetically, if the Saints won back-to-back Super Bowls, just hypothetically, this year and next year, would Drew Brees definitely be better than Peyton Manning? Yes. Yes. I, I think thirty-nine is the one off against Manning. Yeah. Okay. Manning's second yeah. Super Bowl wouldn't. I mean, like he got dragged there by Von Miller. Like, congrats. Yeah. For that. yeah. Um, right. he, he had to split that with Brock Osweiler. Come on. Yeah. I, I just think that even at his peak, Breeze was up there with Manning. He just didn't get the credit because Manning had that rivalry with Tom Brady that we focused on almost every year. And the, for whatever, it's insane. Like Manning got credit. It's like, oh, like he's being coached by, uh, you know, uh, Tony Dungy and, and Jim Caldwell. It's like Manning's running the show. It's like, oh, Drew Brees has Sean Payton. That's why he's so great. I mean, no, like Sean Payton's – what was Sean Payton's career without Drew Brees? Like who knows? Anyway, that's a long, deep, dark hypothetical we could get into, and uh, and we don't have time for that. So instead, let's let Sean gloat about his Chicago Bears. My goodness. These Bears. Sean, did you see the video that I made that, that – uh I don't want to say viral, but you know, I mean, like, you know, people were talking about it. It was a little buzz on the uh, the internet about how the the Bears could be Super Bowl champions. Oh, oh, for uh, for HQ. Uh, I don't, it? Was, no, it was a Pick Six Pod promo video. Okay, yeah, I, I did see it. And look, Brenton, you're you are entirely right. And I know people are going to look at this game as saying beating the Lions. What, what's the big deal? This was a game that I was less confident going into than I was for the Vikings game, just because of the short week, obviously without Mitch Trubisky. Um, look, I know Chase Daniel knows the system. 
it doesn't matter much when he doesn't have the physical tools to make his knowledge of the system matter. And what I, I don't really want to talk about the Bears offense. The Bears offense was whatever. Chase Daniel made a couple throws he had to make. If I can interrupt you very quickly, the Bears went in with their backup quarterback and Chase Daniel, who's, we've seen throw like 40 career passes. He threw 37 times for 230 yards, two touchdowns, 106 passer rating, and they ran the ball 11 times with their running backs and they won 23 to 16. I was kind of impressed with Chase Daniel. I think he did. He was everything the Bears wanted him to be, which was safe and conservative. He only missed one bad throw, which was a Terry Cohen touchdown that they had to settle for a field goal because he overthrew him. I think there were a couple other throws that people on Twitter pointed out where he had guys open and he just didn't let it rip. Um, look, I was completely happy with him. That's why you give that guy $10 million so he can come in and do that against a bad team. But the reason I want to talk about the defense is because it's not like the Bears offense scored 23 points. The Bears defense single-handedly in the fourth quarter had to win this game on their own. And here's what they did on their final three defensive series. Um, they were up by three points and the Lions drained the ball inside the ten inside the five yard line and they held them to a field goal to tie the game. The Bears promptly go three and out. So this the Bears defense is already tired because they're on a short week. They already got shredded on the previous drive but held them by the goal line. So the Lions get the ball back. First play, Eddie Jackson who, by the way, has as many touchdowns as Julio Jones this year and is third on the team in Bears touchdowns. Um, he makes an incredible play that you should find on was Twitter. He a third round, was he a third-round pick or a fifth-round pick? He's a fourth-round pick. Fourth Twelve round. safeties were picked ahead of him in the in the 2017 draft. And for those who don't know, Eddie Jackson in his final season in Alabama suffered a gruesome leg injury that looked – it's weird how that – it just works like that. I you know I understand it, but – like, Eddie Jackson was a great player who's a borderline first-round pick, and then he suffers a leg injury, a knee injury, or whatever it is. And he's like, well, just let him go to the fourth round. Like, he he's going to recover and be good. What are you doing? He has five minutes you have to give part of the credit to that to the defense he's playing with, too, because, you know, Dur- he's not Derwin James. He's not going to be successful in any system. But he gets in there, and he gets that front seven in front of him, those talented cornerbacks around him, and he can just go out and make plays. So so it's not it's, – he doesn't have to be Earl Thomas. You know, he, he can just do what he does best, go get the ball. True. So he so he makes this brilliant interception, and the Bears go up seven. But suddenly the Lions get the ball back again, and the Lions get one more chance to go tie the game. The Lions actually drive all the way down the field, and then that's when the Bears – intercept Matthew Stafford's pass in the end zone with Kyle Fuller, who um, has a history of dropping key interceptions when the Bears could close out games, looking back at week one when he dropped Aaron Rodgers' pick um, on the game-winning drive. So to me, this is about the Bears' defense, and look, I'm not saying they can beat the Saints or they can beat the Rams, but this is a team, I think, that in January, no one is going to want to face. And I think that if you guys hear that? Yeah, what is that? I can't hear Brinson anymore. Brinson's done. That was that was wild. Thanks for going through the wind tunnel with us, everybody. <laughs> that, was like a, that was like a spirit or something. Oh, uh, it's one of the ghosts of these deers, I guess. Uh, deers? Deers? Deer? Anyway, uh, you were saying about the Bears and Eddie Jackson and the defense. I heard everything you said. Are we still recording? Oh, we are still recording. Oh wow! I thought we uh, I thought we paused. Um, We're all in, baby. This I, is I, I completely lost my train of thought, but I, I I think this Bears defense is good enough that I don't think they're going to get blown out by these teams. And I think if you get Trubisky back and if he can keep improving, which we saw before he had this injury, I know he didn't play well against the Vikings on Sunday. But look, if you look at Drew Brees' worst game of the season, that came against the Vikings defense as well. The Vikings defense is no joke. 
I think the Bears are, they're not in that group with the Saints. But the more I watch the Saints, the more I'm convinced the Saints are in their own tier. And then they're followed by a couple teams after that. Because to me, the Saints are the only fully complete team in football. And I don't think the Rams are entirely complete. I don't think the Chiefs are entirely complete. Complete, And I think I put the Bears in the same group as the Rams and the Chiefs, albeit on the low end of that tier. Um, but at 8-3, they're winning the division. I think they're winning. They're obviously making the playoffs. They have two games. They're 8-3. They have two games left against the Giants and the 49ers. So I think they're getting to 10 wins. Um, they get to watch the Vikings and the Packers beat up on each other on Sunday. So I just, I think today they cemented their, um, their playoff spot. And I know, I get it. Being the Lions, not a big deal. But given the circumstances, I think it was a huge deal. Interesting. Um, I, I actually agree. I, no, I agree with you. I think it was, a, I think it's a huge win. They won, they won three division games in 13 days. That turnaround time from Sunday night football to Thursday at noon on Thanksgiving is insane. They're going to get a crazy break that they deserve. And by the way, I mean, look, let's you think, say whatever you want about Mr. Trubisky. And I think he's going to be good. I think he's developing at a, at a good pace given his pedigree in college and the number of snaps he's taken under center since like sixth grade. But man, the 2017 draft class that we sort of poo-pooed from, from GM Ryan Pace, Mr. Trubisky at, uh, second overall, Adam Shaheen, who's been banged up as a tight end, but has shown some promise, Eddie Jackson in the fourth round, Tariq Cohen in the fourth round. I mean, I get that you didn't take a bunch of shots, and we sort of dinged him at the time, like, hey, you only had five picks, buddy, like, what, like, and you traded up to get this quarterback, and you, you know, Deshaun Watson was there, and Patrick Mahomes. You come away with, if you come away with those four good players in this draft, I mean, that's a big, big haul, RJ. Yeah, and, and they knew at that time they were going to be able to land Khalil Mack in the trade because <laughs> Oakland would want to give him away for whatever reason. So it all came together. It's great when a plan comes together like that. Uh, look, Khalil, would you take would you take Khalil Mack or uh, Aaron Donald for DPOI right now? Um, I would say Khalil Mack. I think the stature there. I think he made so much of an impact in that early season run where he was just sack fumbles every single t- every single week, just changing the game every single week. So, um, and that defense has been absolutely dominant, number one in the league. No, nobody's going to put any other candidates up for who's the best defense in the league. The Rams, not so much. You know, you look at their stats, stats overall. They're having to win these shootout games against the Chiefs. So. So how when you're going for the best player in the league and that kind of award, how much of an impact does he have if the defense isn't one of those elite defenses? Sean, is there a bigger loser on on Thursday and Thanksgiving than John Gruden? <laughs> um, no, well, I, Matt Patricia maybe because I I think Matt Gruden lost. Big. No, I, I I think with Patricia we're approaching the danger zone a little bit. Where I understand oh. he's got the job security because Bob Quinn wanted him. But they look like they're on the verge of imploding. And I'll tell you what, we're talking about Chase Daniel playing well. It's not a great sign when the Lions, with Matthew Stafford and that contract they gave him, can't be at home on, on short rest, Chase Daniel and the, and the Bears, who were banged up on defense also. So uh, to me, the, the Lions are a bit in the danger zone if they sputter here down the stretch, which they are sputtering right now. Um, and with Gruden, look, I'm not defending his trades. And the worst thing about his trades is that suddenly the two teams he traded his players to are going to make the playoffs. But let's see what those first-round picks amount to before we fully judge the trade. It doesn't look good right now. And I will say this. If the Raiders had Khalil Mack and if they had Amari Cooper, I still don't think they're a good team. And, again, I'm not saying they were right to trade them, and I think they were wrong in picking the Bears because 
By most accounts, they could have sent him to the 49ers or the Jets, but they picked the Bears because they thought they had a better chance to get a high draft pick, and that is clearly going up in, in flames. They also gave the Bears a second-round pick, and that second-round pick looks like it's probably going to be pretty high and pretty close mm-hmm. to the end of the first round. So, look, it's not a good trade, but let, let's see what Gruden does with the first-round picks. I'm not confident he'll do anything good with them. Um, but I, I just think with the Raiders now, we're not looking at what happens this year. We're looking at what do they look like when they move to Vegas. I have two things I'm disappointed in. I have one, I'm disappointed that John Gruden came out and publicly said, we picked the Bears because we think they give us the best chance to uh, get a high pick. And two, I'm disappointed that your parents wouldn't change a smoke detector, Sean. Oh, wow, you can hear that? It's a little disappointing. Yeah. Wow, I've got, I've got the dog, I've got the I smoke would, detector, I would, I would but I'm not going to the wind tunnel. Uh, I, I, I'm not in a wind tunnel. That was a ghost. All right, look, I'm out on 55 acres of Heartland, America Heartland, buddy. This is where, uh, this is where, no, I'm just kidding. It's like, it's, it is 55 acres, but it's, it's just mostly a, a pasture area. I rode around a, uh, a John Deere tractor all day. That's, that was kind of fun. A little John Deere with four wheeler. That was pretty cool. Exciting. Yeah. Um, I, have no, I have nothing to add. Uh, RJ, anything to add on, uh, Bears, John Gruden, and, uh, the Raiders disaster season? I'll tell you who my biggest loser of Thanksgiving was. My biggest loser was Sean Wagner McGuff, who saw that Lion King trailer and said, man, like a millennial, when everyone else was freaking out about it. That's going to be awesome, man. What's wrong with you? Super millennials. Here's what I said. I said I'd probably end up seeing it because I see pretty much every new movie that comes out. Oh, really? You guys will have to see it. I'm not going to be excited about it. I'll see you for the visuals. I didn't see it. What game was that in? Uh, Cowboys Redskins. I was being um, harassed. My family, look, this this whole family thing is just, I mean, I love my family. And my dad listened to the podcast this morning while he was hanging out with my brother. Um, it was the, uh, I think it was either, it was the Lock and Fora podcast from this week. So like, I appreciate them listening. It's really cool that they listen. Uh, I, I was trying to work and do this live blog earlier, and my brother's like loudly arguing with my dad about what kind of specs he needs to order on my mom's new laptop that they're getting her for Black Friday. It's like, you know, we could do this some other time. Um, but family, family makes it difficult to work on, on, on Thanksgiving. Um, I don't, I don't want to berate my family. I love my family. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful. Uh, I'm also thankful for you guys for doing this podcast and I'm thankful for everyone who listens to the podcast. Um, so is, is the Lion King like animated? Is that, is that what's to do with it? It's animated, but it's not a cartoon. It's not like the first one was a cartoon. It's more like a CGI type animation. So it'll be interesting. And it looks like it just, the, the preview was like a shot for shot remake of the circle of life. So if that's just what they're doing with, you know, these incredible voice actors, you know, you got to get Donald Clover and John Oliver's in it, Billy Eichner, Beyonce is going to play Nala. So just some crazy good staff. Uh, James Earl Jones is back in it as Mufasa. So it should be good. Get out of here. What are you out I don't, I don't like, and I know it's, it's like live action and it's not technically cartoons. I am not a cartoon person. Uh, and trust me, I wish I was. Uh, look, I'm, I'm a diehard Star Wars fan and there are really good Star Wars cartoons out there that they put out that people, Star Wars fans dig up. And I can't, I can't, I can't watch it because I just can't do it. You don't like so South I wish, Park or like? I don't like what? South Park or anything? No. I don't like cartoons. I just, I just, I have a hard time. Simpsons characters. No. Wow. Come on, man. Wow. This evening went so well, and then just took a dark twist with like how I, how I view you now moving forward, Sean, <laughs> just with utter disdain, frankly. Uh, Look, I'm not going to apologize for my taste here. You know, I know what I like and what I don't you like. Should. Cartoons. That being said, I will fully admit that I don't pay attention to commercials. 
And so I didn't really even realize the trailer was happening until RJ started talking about it in Slack. So I don't think I've even fully seen this trailer. All I reacted to was remaking The Lion King. And then I was like, why would I go see that? And then I was like, I see everything, so I'm going to see it. So I'll, I'll watch it. And maybe on Sunday's podcast weekend, I will give my updated thoughts on it because I don't want to. You weren't on Twitter either because that's all anyone was talking about. They put the Disney put that tweet out with the trailer in it. And by within the two hours, it had a hundred thousand likes. So I mean, that's all anybody was talking about while the Redskins were getting their butts beat by the Cowboys. Can you imagine? By the way, can you imagine Slack singing through text? Can you imagine? Oh, through a little gifts. It was amazing. Imagine if they had like dislikes on Twitter. It'd be like one hundred thousand likes, one dislike. Sean Wagner McGuff just dislikes, dislikes <laughs> the like. Get out of here. Uh, I, I I will say um, that the other loser on uh, on this on this Thanksgiving was um, uh, my fantasy team for starting Trey Burton. Not great, Bob. Ooh. Yeah, I, I had him in a league a league or two too, so I, I can feel that one. Um, I, I have Allen Robinson in a lot of leagues, and some leagues I was forced to put him in, and I, I wasn't happy about it. And other leagues kept him on the bench, and so that wasn't great. I had a tough decision between Matt Ryan and Andrew Luck. I ended up starting Ryan because I, I thought you know garbage time points were out there, and it turned out pretty well. He had a pretty good game. You know, if I had to do it again and get 28 points for me, I'm fine with that. So yeah, there were some. With the teams playing, you would expect um, a lot more fantasy points in that uh, that last game. So oh my God. not a lot of people are starting Keith Kirkwood and, and Tommy Lee Lewis and, or Tommy Lee Jones or Will Smith or whoever else is catching touchdowns for the Saints. So so tough tough luck for fantasy owners in that one. I had Trey. I have in my league, my main league that I'm I'm, I'm desperate to win. I, I mean, I would I would consider like at least like cutting off a piece of my finger. Uh, just to win this league this year because it's been a while. My buddy Nathan has won it four, four years in a row. It's really annoying. Uh, but, um, I had Michael Thomas and Travis Kelsey, I mean, uh, Trey Burton this week and they combined for 4.2 points. And to, to make it a real, uh, cherry bleep Sunday, my dad's sitting out here and he's like, hmm, hmm, told me to start Trey Burton this week. He's not very good. <laughs> thought you were good. Trey- at your, thought you were good at your job. Trey Burton has less than a point if you don't play in PPR. Yes, he, he has less than a point in his last two games. He has point nine and point eight, and he's still entering the week the seventh ranked tight end. So just to show the dire nature of tight ends, either get Ertz or your kind of, or Kelsey or you're kind of screwed. That's why I traded AJ Green for Kelsey, and people made fun of me. It was a great trade. Uh, okay, let's get out of here. We've crossed over. better than your uh, James Conner trade. Yes, thank you. All right, this is right, right. the only league where I own Amari Cooper. This this editorial pick pick sixteen league and I want to buy so I don't get any points or <laughs> wonderful lovely delightful I'm so thankful for all this I really am thankful for everyone that listens uh, all you guys who jump on these podcasts especially because it's like basically one a.m. on the east coast uh, I can't wait to get the, get the car in eight hours and drive four hours to go see my mother in law and hang out with her for forty eight hours that's going to be a blast she doesn't listen to this podcast she should I might grab her phone and hit subscribe. Do that with your friends over the holidays. Get their phones. Get your parents' phones. Hit subscribe. Go to Twitter and help to follow Sean J. Wagner on Twitter and tell the far RJ White one. And while you're at it, just go to Sportsline and sign them up for a brand new Sportsline account and use promo code White to get into your first month for a buck. Guys, it's been a blast. Uh, let's, uh, let's never, let's not do it again for at least like a year.